I would go from the very beginning to now in less than 45 minutes. <laughs> so, um, and how does it fit with, with Michal Mas today for, you know, particularly with the katata that we sang in the prelude? Uh, all I could really say is the song of the church. It began way before us and it's going to continue after us. And so in the meantime, it's just how do, how do we play? And so I thought I'd start because we were talking about angels and archangels and this whole celebration today that always about Christ, singing about Christ and his goodness and how the battle is won for us. And, and we always think about angels. Um, I'll tell you quickly about my background, raised um, in, in a Catholic background, Polish Catholic. It was really a, um, very immersed in angels. <laughs> um, and so, um, but the perspective over time has really been very interesting about how do you know the angels that, because you know there's always that playing. You heard it today, this struggle between, in the spiritual realm of it, you think about angels and demons, and you think about every th- the angels that point to Christ and hear what we get in Scripture. And this one, this is our graphic for Lessons and Carols coming up in December. So this is our, the artist's rendering of Angel Gabriel being the messenger. And so about giving to Mary the message in the ear saying, you're going you're gonna to have a son. And so this whole message of salvation, starting, starting with that. But now we think about the song of the church because I'm going to give you a little bit of the greatest hits because I can't give, it, can't give everything to you because you'll have to glaze over. So I'll give you some historical context, some scriptural context, and I'm going to have you think a little bit musically because um, our prelude by Dietrich Buxtehude, we'll talk about him shortly. But um, at the time in, in the refer- or actually in the Baroque period, which is the time of Johann Sebastian Bach, okay, um, you have the worship in the life of the church. And so you have these three-hour services, everybody's singing, you have the music that is in response to the message. And usually, now think about it, these visuals, they didn't exist then, okay? Even how back to when you remember listening to radio, there was always something that you got. The rhetoric was so different. And at the time, when people would play music, there would be something in the music that would actually attract their attention to the idea of this is the message that we're getting this day. So I want to bend your thinking and your ears a little bit in that direction about where, where do we hear this? What imagination can this evoke? Because the message is heady, but it's also an expression of the heart. So we're trying to combine the two musically. So where does it all begin? It actually begins in Exodus. So um, I like to say it's song. So there are words canticle. I'm going to throw a couple of terms. I'm not going to overload you. Um, It's all alliterations. They're C words today. A bunch of B composers, but C (laughs) terms. Okay? So we have canticle, which is really a psalm-like text in any other book of the Bible other than the book of Psalms. And so this is usually a song of praise. And the first song is actually the song of Moses. You probably know this. It says, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The battle that was against the Israelites and, and Pharaoh's army. So the whole battle right there, that's really where church music was born. Right there when the waters came back and there, there it is. And Miriam, I'm a little, um, perv- a little anyway, um, what's the word, bias towards that name? Um, Miriam also sang in response to that. Those who don't know, that's my daughter. She's in Sunday school right now. Hopefully I won't get the call. Um, <laughs> but we have... So in Exodus, this is where it starts. 
Um, and throughout history, I'll give you in the church, we've got the biggies. We have tons of music, so much music. We could spend three weeks and still not scratch the surface of the song of the church. But we've got the scriptural context. The Canticle of Hannah, which is the Old Testament parallel to the Magnificat. So Hannah was praying earnestly and giving her son Samuel to God. And so, but she was praying for a son. And so when he said yes, that's when her prayer was answered and she exalted in joy. Same thing with Mary. And when we all know that my soul magnifies the Lord, we sing the hymns. There are so many pieces of music to that. Um, also the Benedictus, the song of Zechariah, after his mouth is opened when John the Baptist, so his name is John. And then my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. So it's just a, a full, full joy. And then also one more, I think it's again from Luke. We have the Nunc Dimittis when Christ was presented in the temple and Simeon comes up and says, okay, I have seen the salvation. So all these are reasons for singing. And there are these texts. When you look in the Bible, even you can see it in your formatting now, you see, you see this prose and then you actually have it looks like a psalm text. You could tell it has a little bit of a song-like structure to it. So there are tons of other songs in the church that we get from Scripture. So, um, but also throughout the early church, the Old Testament, we, we've been talking about the festivals and you name it. We, we, I remember sitting in Bible study here and talking about the Old Testament feasts, orbiting, orbiting Christ and feasting and, and then music. And so you could see in Chronicles, it's just loaded with, what did they do? They sang. And where do you think we got all, and also the psalm texts that come from that. So from Psalm 80, 81, that's just one example of many. That there's just this great singing because it is in response. That's really what worship is, that God blesses us and we, in response, sing. Now, also, I just would have loved to have heard that hymn after the Last Supper when they're about to go to the Mount of Olives. What did, what did they do? It's, some of, it's maybe some of you know, but they believe it could be Psalm 117. Um, we performed a, a work by uh, Osvaldo Galihov, who is an Argentinian composer, and it was, we had a protest song. That was in Argent, I don't know if you've ever been to Argentina. There's a group of people that they, they protest down, down the big street there, and then the same people will protest another point the next day. But the point is very notorious for, for protesting. However, um, the text is what drives it. And so we had this opportunity to sing, sing that text, which we believe that um, Jesus and the disciples sang. So, and just the idea of what does, what does singing do? How do, you, how do you feel when you sing? You know, so there's that whole connection. And that's what we have that opportunity in, in church, in worship. Um, constantly, constantly receiving and, and in responding. So now just a little bit of context. I, here's where I could easily lose, get caught up in the things. But just, again, the song of the church, because I'm, I'm going to bring back to some of the music that we did today, goes all the way back to the early church, Edict of Milan. If you think about the you know, modern day, we think of the church in Rome. It really started there with the Edict of Milan saying, okay, this is all legitimate, let's go. Let's worship, we're going to do all these things. Structures started to change. We got larger vaulted cathedrals. And then the music changed as well. We got lots of voices, this polyphony, things were swimming. That caused a whole set of other problems. <laughs> um, lots of fighting in the church throughout that, just about how do we do music. We don't have that anymore, do we? <laughs> um, 
So now, chant. We hear it every week here. You're spoiled by it. <laughs> really, it's just it's really wonderful to hear Peter chant every week. We, this stuff has been handed down to us for over a millennia. So it's just it's something that it's 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 bigger than any of our imagination. Um, but then also out of chant, um, Martin Luther also had. He was a theologian who knew a lot about music, and so he composed a lot of our tune, uh, affirmation. We're going to be singing a mighty fortress. So again, the chorale. Um, we, we know this very well, and we even sang him in worship today. So even just in our, our brief worship service, we sang a lot of the song of the church. So now, what, how do we get all of this to work? How do we get our ears to think in a certain direction? I hope this works because I had my little test here, and I'm hooked up, and we'll see how YouTube behaves today. <laughs> um, but now, text. How do composers set the text? I want to introduce you to a piece, actually, I've done with my men's choir, men or choir, I shouldn't say, it's not my propriety, it's God has given this group of men that I get to serve, uh, men or choir, and it's one of my favorite pieces, Psalm 130, so if you have your Bibles, you want to reference it, it's going to be in Latin, it's De Profundis, so you think, out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord, so you're thinking, already you're sensing, from you're in the deep pit, so how does Arvo Pert, an Estonian composer, treat that? Well. If you know about the Baltics, they had their share of being dominated by some other culture. It's the Danes, it's the Swedes, it's the Germans, it's, and it's the Soviets. Arvo Pert was a composer who lived in a time during the Soviet occupation of Estonia. But, as you can see, the Word of God was living and active in the Baltics. When we were there in 2003, um, we got to see how the churches were all of a sudden taken, because actually the Soviets chronicled the destruction of the churches and they changed them into something else. Unless it's a big cathedral, then it would be a concert hall. But we were at one church that was converted into a swimming pool. It was on Nevsky Prospect in St. Petersburg, and we actually joined the end of this parade at the end. It was, in the, world, it was the 45th anniversary of World, War II, end of World War II when the Russia took Berlin. And so <laughs> we thought we were going to have to go in a subway under Nevsky Prospect and thinking, oh, Lord, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. But it was the end of the parade, so we joined the parade. And we're like, <laughs> in our tuxes and gowns, and we walk, and we drop off of the church. And the church was really tall, but then they just put a floor over the swimming pool. And now it's a worship space because it's church again. Um, the nice thing is since they chronicled everything, the people who got the churches back, they were able to say, oh, wow, I can actually reconstruct the way it was. So that was a, it was a big help. Um, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, they all have their stories about what happened to, the, to their churches. Um, Arvo Pert, um, composer at the time, he did a lot of movie music. And in the movie, and the music was a little bit, I'll use the word avant-garde. And that was kind of the thing of the day. And that was his little protest to tell, because Russian, you know, they wanted to have the nationalistic music. So Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff, those with an identity of nationalism. And he thought, well, let's try this. But he really wasn't exposed to the early music that we take for granted. And so he decided to combine the two. So this was, because for a while he got very frustrated and thought about giving up music. He just stopped. But then he heard early music. And then um, he had this awakening in a way, if you will, that he just thought musically, how can he have God and man represented musically? And so there's this idea of Tintinabuli, so then the tintinabulation of the bells, 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 you know, the, so this bell giving an effect of what does the sound actually become and how does it relate to, to our lives and, and, our, and our relationship 
to God. And so he talks about two voices. Um, I'm going to play you an example. You're going to follow music. You don't have to know how to read music on this one. It's, I'm going to guide you through it. But the thing is, there are two voices. First off, it's, he just basically has a song based on one chord. And that's God. So this one, all over the place. So you got these notes just playing, and it's God's presence in our lives. Three notes. No coincidence, is it? Okay? But then you have the voice of mankind, which is a mode. Um, the opening is de profundis. It's still stepwise motion, where God leaps around. We meander. But within the structure, God holds us within this. So it's a musical, in a way, if you think about it, it's an edification of the text. So uh, let's see what we have here. Uh, to, for you to think here, um, I want to ask you to, as you listen to this, and I'll, and I'll jump back and forth with the music, um, you're going to hear men's voices, you're going to hear these bells, and some percussion. So again, Psalm 130, if you could follow along with the verses, um, just about where, where are we? musically. Uh, what's the effect? How do we feel? And how's this text being expressed musically? And let's see. Here's the part I'm really nervous about. Okay. If not, yeah, I see that little, uh, see this little audio. I have it ready just in case this clip doesn't work. But it would be better. Okay, Arbo Parrot. See the bearded, nicely bearded man? He's right there. Let's skip the ad, please. I don't want anything. Skip. I gotta wait. I'm in stasis. I'm sorry. But it's, we're connected. Skip. Thank you. Here we go. Out of the depths. Stop right there. Now you could see what, out of the depths, what, 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 are you, what is this idea that you're getting from the sound? So, you know, like uh, God's here. Uh -huh. we're, we're here and we're kind of like crying. We, yeah, exactly. There's nowhere else to go but up. The whole thing about necros. We're just, I'm call, calling out. So, and, and you can hear those, those low basses just... Especially that from the Russian Orthodox tradition, you know, just, oh, they just have lots of fun singing. But you notice, again, it's the stepwise motion. It's this, it's the, it's the sinful nature of man that's being, being stuck down there. Now, again, this is the next, I'm calling, hear my voice when I call to you.
So all the voice parts are introducing this text. Now the thing is what you can't really hear, you might hear the organ playing in the background, but there's also something else. There's this big bass drum that goes boom, which signifies that, that deep pit. And so again, we get gradually being brought out of this pit, but nothing of our own doing. Oh, I get to, oh, I got more visuals. This is good, okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, no, not again. Here we are. This is where we left off. right here, where those notes leaping. So, and, we, and we move through the text here. I want to move you to a part of the climactic section because all the voice parts end up coming together, but it's actually talking about God's mercy that saves us. And so you'll hear, and actually in the word mercy is where the most climactic point is of the piece. I just have to jump to it. It's still loading as you, can you see that? Yeah. Okay, I'm catching up to you. We'll get into it here. That's about Israel, hope in the Lord. Now here's where comes the climactic moment. So that's the idea that with your use plenteous redemption and mercy, this big outpouring of gratitude. So any other responses or note, did you notice any, any observations I may not have mentioned that you have gleaned from the experience that you want to share? Half notes. So how does that, when you listen to that, how did it, 
when music sometimes it's either like this or it's like this. In music, I, I, use it, I use the Wizard of Oz terminology of harmonic language. Toto's in the basket. Okay? <laughs> now we're home. Toto can now get out of the basket. That's really kind of how harmony is described in, up to the present day. But, yes? They really come together. Very good, yeah. So from God, it comes, the mercy, and from us, nothing but necros, death, but it comes together because we've been brought out of that. Excellent. Tim? Uh-huh. Yeah, there's this, there is this nexus, you know, that we can talk about musically. Um, is really well. You also, if you think about it this way, because we're in, we're always in this direction. I bet you you don't feel this way on a given day, right? Got to run, 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 and God says, <sighs> just gives us this rest. That's what Sabbath is. Yes. With the uh, with the percussion, where that my Latin's not good, but where that came in in the text, it seemed to match kind of uh, with like. It was a culmination. It seemed like that was uh, kind of an echo of like what the, the crucifixion. Yeah. <laughs> because this because uh, this psalm ends uh, with uh, talking about the, the culmination of redemption. Right. And that's the crucifixion and the resurrection. And uh, and actually, what I'll do is let's let me bring you to that because it's um, you're going to hear that bell at the very end. Um, what do you know? That's the spot I wanted. Okay. But here comes the hard part. I better do this right-handed. It's ex omnibus iniquitatibus eius. He frees, he, he cleanses us from all of our iniquity. Let me put the bell at the end and see what the effect is. After we speak, God still speaks. So that's the modern interpretation of music, but from and uh, you know an inheritance of the mus- of the church music history. So I think, do we have next? Yes, Mikolmas, Befildim Engel. Now I mentioned chant, so we already we already have an idea of what chant is. It's just that s- song, words with a melody. Cantata is kind of that way as well. Um, it was a, originally a vocal music form with secular music in Italy. And, but the very interesting thing is that when something is outside of the church, not necessarily associated with being holy, then it's brought into the church, things change. And after a while, then it's associated with holy things. And so in the Baroque period, a lot of that happened. <laughs> where opera was even getting introduced somewhat into, into the worship life. Uh, and then you have this pietistic movement, but that's another story. Um, with Mikolmas, with Buxtehude, there's so much to talk about with, with a cantata. Without Buxtehude, there would be no Johann Sebastian Bach as we know him today. 
Um, the cantata really came out of Martin Luther with the idea of the chorale. And so from these chorales, then they would actually embellish on it. And that's what we got to do in the prelude this morning. Uh, so you could see in this, on this visual, um, there's so many. I was looking for clip art for angels. When you Google angels, you're not going to get what you really think you're going to get. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm always in the room and the kids are on the computer. Um, but here, again, you see, you see the archangel Michael. You don't see it like arc stained glass. It's really wonderful where you just see that Michael is just defeating the dragon. But you see who's bigger. It's Christ at the top of the window. And that's the whole thing we've got to be keeping in mind. And so that's why I decided to choose this one because you could see you've got the angels, but they're all really focused on Christ and saying, okay, Michael, <laughs> go. You know, so there's just a, the perspective is in order with that little graphic. Um, this, this cantata that we had, it's um, based on John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Um, this, I'll, the little anecdote is that um, my colleague and friend, doc, the Reverend Dr. Jeff Leininger, our preacher this morning, he's our campus pastor. He has to give about five sermons a week, basically. Um, but he also is wonderful tenor, and his dad was the choir director at St. Paul, and, he's, and he, so he's got a real nice um, background with, with music, and, if, and he's the one who actually started this tradition with us at Concordia, where every year we do Mikolmas, and we sing this cantata. Uh, so it, but the thing is, the text comes from Scripture, but then it actually comes all the way back to around the year, they think, 530. So that's a little while ago. And, uh, and so the, the text is, Christe qui, uh, Christ, you are the light and day. And uh, it's also, it was it, this text, or this hymn, I should say, the chorale and the text in German, Christe, der du bist Tag und Licht, um, Erasmus Albert, who was a student of Melanchthon and Luther in Wittenberg. So he's the one who uh, translated the Latin into German. And then there would be a chorale tune, and it's even into, the, it made it, 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 it's not in uh, LW, but it, the last is really TLH, where this hymn has been. And even the text that we're singing in the cantata was stanza six and seven, so it didn't even exist in the hymnal. Um, so what did they, you know, they sang, you know, when you look at the hymns in the hymnal and you see the 25 verses, I mean, they just did it. And sometimes it would be a cappella for, you know, for like a thousand people singing in church, just kind of the, the way it was. Um, or imagine where, you know, if you can imagine Pastor Bruzek yelling from, I'm not yelling, well, they didn't have microphones, so I guess it would have been yelling. So there's this idea, let's take this stanza and let's sing it a cappella and let's sing with parts. I mean, it was, I mean, they didn't have handouts, they didn't have screens, so it was really very on the go. And so, and then, so the organist had to hear from all the way in the back balcony to go, he said that, okay. <laughs> Probably a new key as well. I can do that. And you can see Phil back there just kind of, oh, I can do that. Okay. So we're all, we're all, we're all set, you know? So, so Buxtehude, um, <laughs> he had, at a congregation, Marienkirche in Lübeck, North Germany, about as far north as you can go. Bach even traveled to see him. He took, he said he was going to take a, you know, a couple of weeks or something, walk on foot. He was gone for a quarter of a year. Um, he was at a congregation in Arnstadt. He got in a lot of trouble. Um, 
But if it weren't for Buxtehude, Bach, again, wouldn't have the cantatas that we know and love because um, they're based on chorales. And from there, Bach took counterpoint and worked with it. But with Buxtehude, he got the, the post because he married his predecessor's daughter. That's how the arrangement was made in Lübeck. You want the job? You'll marry my daughter. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so there it was. And Buxtehude even had that idea because in 1707, when Bach made that famous trip, um, Buxtehude is saying, I've got a very beautiful daughter. And he's like, <laughs> so he, he walked back. He, um, um, and there was another time, incidentally, later on, where his first wife, uh, Maria, uh, he went away, came back, and found out that she had been dead and buried. You know, they didn't have text. She's in a bad way. Hurry. Send. It didn't have that. You know, so just, it was a different life. You know, um, but I digress. Um, with Buxtehude, again, I told you about the stanzas and the idea of Abendmusiken uh, for the Marienkirche. It was a musical offering for the, for the, um, for the community. I was, th I was uh, maybe it was maybe my little, sh you know, selfish plug to say, Marit, you know, Abendmusiken um, auf Johanneskirche Wieten. But um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, just an idea. It's just a really wonderful time for devotion and music, but it's just, uh, again, being in orbit, being musically set. Now, the chorale tune. Um, hopefully you heard the sopranos. I didn't erase everything, sorry. But um, here's the, really the only chorale chant. You, the, the, the first phrase actually outlines the chorale. Da befiehlt ihm Engel, das er komm. And then from there, Buxtehude takes it. <laughs> and with a lot of flourishing. Now, um, we got, we got the choir, and sometimes it would have been maybe one singer on a part. But then you have your strings and organ. Again, in, um, what are these numbers? It's not math. Um, well, kind of. But um, with the invention of the keyboard, the way we hear music changed. Um, we we're talking about um, the vertical and the horizontal, where when we sang chant, it's very, very horizontal. But by the birth of the keyboard instruments, the harmony changed so that the voices actually started singing more vertically. So we have to listen to a lot more. When we got to the Mendelssohn at communion, it's an eight-part harmony. Um, so we're trying to put that whole structure together. So it's, everything is vertical, but yet we've got we've to flow. But, so I I'm just referencing the chorale tune because Buxtehude got pretty creative. Now, what I want to ask you, uh, can you see, you don't have to... <gasps> um, I'd like to draw some esoteric things out of the music for the singers, but also hopefully to get your ears thinking in a certain direction. The, the, I don't, where do you think you might see? Because the text is, und uns bewacht dein Eigentum, which is, and watch over us, in the translation in the, in the uh, service folder says people, but you know what? We don't like to think of ourselves as property, and Eigentum really is property. So we were bought, we were purchased by the blood of Christ. So we are his property. So watch over us, your property. How often do we talk like that these days? But there it is. Now, where do you think the angels are in the music? It's more visual. Exactly. Can't you just, can't, it's the moving. These are the 16th notes. And you, the singers back there, ha, 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 are having fun. But, the, it, but it's also, and the words, bavach to watch, watch over us. It's a, it's a please, you're imploring. And then the angel's like, yep, there we are. You know? So it's just really, really fun to bring those things out of the music. 
So the song of the church. Now, where does that leave us? Where do we think about Concordia University of Chicago? Because I have to say um, why we're here today. Um, it's because we're, we're here to serve the church. Um, for 150 years, um, when it started in Addison in uh, 1864, and then we moved to River Forest 100 years ago, coming up in October. So um, we've, we've been doing that. We're starting this 14-month long celebration uh, for for uh, just God's mercy at, uh, over, the, over time. Um, there are lots of associations with River Forest. When I hear people, when I go to the tons of churches that I go to visit, they say, oh, I went to RF, and there's always this like association. We've got the secret handshake, but we really don't. Um, <laughs> but there's this um, you know, fun thing. Church music is really where um, you think about um, River Forest. Um, there's this resource called the Groves Dictionary for, for American music, and under the church music thing, if you look in the back and you look at the composers, the majority, we're talking over two-thirds of the names listed for prominent church musicians came from River Forest. Um, and you sing a lot of their music every week. When we sang um, by Richard Hillert, this is the feast, a lot of the service music. Um, um, today we, we sang, well, what shall I render to the Lord? You know, the offertory, the post-communion. The, the nunc dimittis, um, or thank the Lord and sing his praise. Thank you. Uh, that's really what it is that we're, he, he set that, that music. Um, Carl Schalk, um, so many things to say. But I have such a great affection for, for Carl Schalk. Um, the hymnody, um, and actually the, one of the more recent um, commissions that for Pastor Schleck's retirement, we, he, we co he composed a Tadeum, so we affectionately call it the Schleck Tadeum. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and the Tadeum again, referencing angels. It's usually after a for a peace treaty. That's when a Tadeum is signed. But also a peaceful re retirement was also a very wonderful, joyous occasion. Um, Thomas Gieschen, who was the uh, another prominent church musician, he conducted the capella. He's the one who named the capella the capella. And uh, we also have former capellicans under Thomas Gieschen's era. We have Carol and also Mary. Right? You under so under Tom Gieschen's um, time when he was thirty some. Some years he directed the capella, uh, but other other names. Uh, Anton Armstrong from Saint Olaf calls them the the German Lutheran Mafia. Um, <laughs> Paul Bowman, he's ninety five and he's still he's still he's still working at it. He's still he's still playing. He's still, you know, not as much, but he's he's yeah, he's definitely gotten frail. But he's he's still very passionate about serving God in, in music. Um, Paul Mons, organ playing with hymnody has really been. Um, that's his big association, his big contribution to church music. Walter Peltz, he's 87 now. He's going to be coming to lectures in church music. This is our church music offering uh, professional conference that we're going to have next month. We commissioned him to, um, to compose uh, a piece for the capella. And it's a, we're really looking forward to, to singing that uh, next month. And it's If You Continue in My Word. It's on our, it's on our academic seal. So from from John chapter 8, if you continue my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And, he said, and I, I thought, oh, I always wanted to com commission Walter Peltz, and he said, that was my confirmation verse. Wow. So I just thought, wow, thank you, Lord. This is really fun. So it's a big thing, and we're pretty ambitious, and I'm a little nervous to pull it off. But anyway, it's, it's, a, very, uh, it's, a, it's a very wonderful opportunity. So that's what we, we've, that's what we get to do at, at University of Chicago. There are tons of programs. Um, we, act, we, you know, we faced so many difficulties. I can give you 54 million reasons why we had difficulties, but um, we've, we're really thanking God for his, his mercy and, and 
lots of programs for the university to, to, to grow and thrive. And they're supporting the music very well. So it's a real joy that we get to go out to churches and sing, the capella, these are my kids, uh, my, uh, my other family. These are, they're actually, we wonder what they're doing after church. They're going to, to my house afterwards. We're having a little pizza party, so that'll be fun um, <laughs> in our humble ranch house. But they're kids. They just, they sit on the ground. They're happy. I, you know, it's just, anyway, it's really, they're really a lot of fun to, to have around. This is, I took it right out of our syllabus. What do we do? What's the first thing? It's just to better understand music as both a gift from God and God's people's praise. So that's what our charge is. That's what we get to do. And so through the myriad things that we do throughout the year, our touring, our visiting churches, um, even make recordings. Um, thank you for those who, who purchased some between. But now, this year, what, what's going on? Um, if you want to just take a look at our website, because there's a lot of stuff going on at the university for the 150th. Um, we also have our home concerts, that so because we're, we're, we're basically in your backyard. Um, so for Wind Symphony, um, my great colleague and friend Richard Fisher conducts that, and that's in November after our fall tour when we take a long weekend. Um, bringing back the angel icon, uh, stained glass uh, visual there, lessons and carols. So um, that's usually a, a real high point, our Christmas offering to the community. Um, and it's a service. Uh, also, but if you can't make it, if you have access to a computer, the, uh, on the 8th at 7 p.m., we'll be live on the web. So um, we have a lot of fun with that. Also, um, we're going to be performing with the Chicago Arts Orchestra end of February, so right around, um, right around the Transfiguration time. And so um, there, the Chicago Arts Orchestra does this rediscovered treasuries of Latin America. So there's this musicologist from Northwestern who's unearthing something as we speak from Mexico for us to perform again after hundreds of years of dormancy. So I don't know what it is yet. So um, that'll, be, that'll be a fun adventure. And then we get to go on tour. We'll drive down to Atlanta. And then after that, we'll have to have something else to do. So we'll perform downtown at Orchestra Hall with the Oak Park River Forest Symphony, Area Choirs, Mozart's Requiem, Von Williams's Dona Nobis Pachem. Um, so it's a little bit of fun that we're having at Concordia Chicago. So um, just a great opportunity to serve. Thank you for letting me try to bring you up through church music history from Exodus to now. Any questions? I don't know. There's so much more we can cover, but. Uh, um, thank you. Shall we pray? Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks so much, everyone.